Have you ever wondered what it might be like to have a short and sweet parenting tip? Well, get ready, because here it comes. Hold on. <laughs> short and sweet parenting tips here, and we're continuing our series on reducing anxiety during COVID. If you've missed one of our previous episodes on the topic, so far we've discussed how respect, communication, and alternatives to punishment can be used to reduce anxiety around your home. This week, we're discussing how putting roles or labels on our children can lead to anxiety now and even into their adulthood. But first, calling all kids! (laughs) (laughs) It's time for kids' activities. Yay! (laughs) Hey kids, are you ready for a riddle? Here it is. How do you measure a snake? While you're thinking that one over, why don't you draw all kinds of snakes on a piece of paper? In fact, I would love to see you fit as many snakes on one piece of paper as you can. And while you're doing that, think about how you would measure a snake. At the end of this episode, I'll give you the answer. Husband and wife team Don and Gina Grodhoff join us again this week. Don is an EFT tapping practitioner and Gina's an occupational therapist. So they combine their skills to help families not only change behaviors, but also minimize anxiety to increase the health of the entire family. Who doesn't want that, right? Don also hosts a podcast called Invisible Wheelchair, where he unlocks the hidden mind of OCD and anxiety and advocates for positive recovery. So today we're talking about another way to reduce anxiety, right? Well, another big one is the roles. Um, We don't realize that we put roles and labels on our children. Oh, she's the smart one. Oh, he's the troublemaker, right? And how much that can affect their anxiety. A lot of times we're doing it in fun. You know, we don't mean it. We don't Mm -hmm. realize comparing Mm -hmm. children to each other. Mm -hmm. And yet this really can have a big impact on our kids. And the parents put all those expectations on them and you have to do it this way. And it doesn't matter. You got, you know, you got to be a doctor. You got to be a lawyer, you know, putting them in those positions and and how much angst obviously it caused, but Mm -hmm. it can happen in really small ways and not even realizing it you know, this is the smart kid, this, you know, even my calling, oh, you're, you're really, you're the smart one. The other kids then all of a sudden they're the dumb ones, you know, if if they hear their brother being labeled that way, oh, you know, I'm not that smart. Yeah. I I did an episode on sibling rivalry and that was a, that was a huge one is never do I compare the girls ever, never. And I coach grandparents and anybody who's over like even benign, like you said, even totally benign things. Yeah, and a lot of times you don't realize, mm-hmm. you know, how it's being done and just how you, um, you know, it doesn't have to be an outward label, but how we're interacting with them, the underlying message there. Yeah. Well, and the, the authors of the How to Talk books also did one and Siblings Without Rivalry. There's- oh, cool. They have a whole collection. And it's really the, the themes. It's the same principles, but they really apply it to siblings, like you talked about. And that is a big part of it is not comparing children. And, it, you know, it's hard not to do it. You do it, you know, they're babies and all oh, my, you know, this one rolled over at six months and this one rolled over, yeah. you know, it's how we pay attention to things. You know, we see the contrast, we see the differences. And yet over time, we wind up doing that without even realizing it like you said and it's a point of interest you're like oh you had more hair when you were a toddler i mean it we don't understand how it can be defining yeah right and right we don't realize we say things that don't think that means much to them but especially a young child you know they hear something and 
who knows what their brain has turned mm -hmm. it into. Oh, I have thin, you know, sad hair or whatever. I don't have, you know, my hair's thin. And mm -hmm. and yeah. they grow up with this self-conscious idea that, you know, they're not pretty or, or whatever. Or they never liked their hair. You know, I've always hated my hair ever since fill in the blank. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and then there's the encouraging autonomy. And I think an, an overall theme of that idea of autonomy, you know, if you can teach your kids to problem solve, if you can teach your kids to make their own decisions, what it helps is in the future, when you're not around, mm -hmm. if you're making all the decisions for them and they're counting on somebody else mm -hmm. to make the decision right. for you them. Want them to, you know, you want them to do what you tell them to do. You know? Yeah. When they're older, mm -hmm. they can be influenced by sometimes by not so good groups mm -hmm. because talking teenagers they, you know, they, they believe older. what those people say versus themselves yeah, yeah. can you, you define really... autonomy um before we move on i know you gave some examples but would you give just a informal definition of autonomy sure um you know helping children um to learn to make independent decisions and so it's a sense of them having the confidence to be able to make choices um to be able to go through a struggle and to be able to handle it and move forward. You know, we, we say we want our kids to be independent, but you don't push them away to make them independent. That doesn't, oh, okay. Okay. you know, they, they need to feel accepted with their feelings. They need to feel respected. They need to feel in a safe environment. And so it's, it's sort of a, an ongoing process, you know, as they get older, making bigger and bigger choices, but just giving them options like at breakfast, do you want this cereal or this cereal? You know, do you want pancakes or toast? And then they're deciding. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. like Don said, down the road, if you just want your kids to do what you tell them and follow the rules, well, they're going to go out there in the world. They're going to be with teenagers and their teenage friends are going to say, mm -hmm. you know, oh, you need to do this. Well, they're used to being told what to do. So it's easy to follow someone else mm -hmm. when, you know, especially different personalities. Some kids have a harder time making choices. So if somebody yeah. else is making them for them, engaging them to find solutions. They ask you a question. Why is the sky blue? You know, rather than giving them an answer. Well, what do you think? It's oh, facilitating mm -hmm. their own problem solving to come up with answers, to seek other resources, to encourage them to, you know, look it up online or ask someone that's an expert. You know, your ch child has questions about a dog, a pet or something that you don't know much about, right? Encouraging mm -hmm. them to look to other sources, you know, well, your aunt's a dog trainer. Why don't you talk to her so that they're growing a sense of how to function in the world. Um, and being able to make mm -hmm. decisions. And how and where to find answers to questions. Right, right. right. Um, and it's a slow process. It's not like, okay, you know, you're 18 now, you're independent, you're on your own. If you, if yeah. they haven't gained these skills, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, they're going to succeed or they're going to fail. Um, you know, kids go off to college and in high school, they've been told what to do and it's never been structured. And mm -hmm. in college, you have so much more freedom and they they fail that first semester because they no one's standing over them, making them come to class, you know, having punishments mm -hmm. if they don't, if they don't have an internal sense of it's not something you switches on when you turn 18. <laughs> well, and to me, the older a person is when they learn that lesson, the more at stake. So if they can learn that lesson oh, yeah. when they're right. seven or eight, right. there's right. less at stake. Right. Making a choice of, okay, jumping off the slide or not, you know, even something small, you know, getting hurt and, and bruised, that's an okay mistake, right? If it's not serious injury, you know, they need to be able to make those small mistakes, just like you said, um, because less is at stake than when they're older. And allowing them to deal with the natural consequences and not being their safety net. Right, right. Because you're not always going to be there. 
you know, as they get older, they, they're going to hopefully be on their own and be able to handle it. Well, and, and I feel like, and, and it goes back to personality, especially in this generation, I feel like learning from other people's mistakes is not really something that kids learn. They learn from their own mistakes. Right. I mean, none of us, you know, do, oh, you know, learn from my mistakes. I messed this up or whatever. It's not, you know, what we tell people they're learning from making their own mistakes, from having their own opportunity to do things. Experiences. Yeah. Yeah, Their own experiences. Exactly. One other thought for parents, for the parents of it and attention, you know, that one of the things in the book uh, that they, they do a lot of cartoon ways of showing it in the book. And one of them, the father's sitting there watching TV and the son's talking to him. He goes, yeah, I can hear you, you know, but he's watching TV. The real thing is that turn the dang thing off, or just turn around and focus on mm-hmm. them, get that, mm-hmm. even get down on their level, mm-hmm. really put your attention to real attention to them. Not just kind of, yeah, yeah, whatever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. You know, what I saw happen, especially when our kids were young is yeah, we'd be working on the computer or doing something. Hey, come play with me. Hey, can you do this? Hey, can you do that? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In a minute, in a minute. And then the minute doesn't happen. So they're like, okay, that didn't work. So I'm going to flip out and draw on the wall. You know, that worked. That exactly. got my attention. That turned yeah. me away from my computer. Right, we um, all do that with our kids. One of the things we, we teach in there is, is one, how you respond to it. So, you know, like you were saying, at the computer, you're doing something. You don't just, you know, push away and say, yeah, in a minute. You, you say, right at this moment, I've got to finish this project. But as soon as I'm done, I will, you know, you might even start out by saying, I really want to have the time with you. I got to finish this can we meet, you know, can we do it in five minutes or 10 minutes or whatever the time is? Mm-hmm. And then literally send it, setting a timer or something like that oh, to yeah. remind you so that you follow up mm-hmm. with Right, because sometimes you're in the middle of something and you can't be there, mm-hmm. but it's just mm-hmm. letting your child know, depending on their age, right? When they're really young, you really need to stop. But, um, you know, I want to hear more of what you're telling me. I can't mm-hmm. take the time right now. Mm-hmm. And but I don't have the mind space sometimes. Right. Or sometimes that, you, know. you want to tell me all about this game, mm-hmm. but my brain is tired from mm-hmm. work or whatever. And, you know, I'll be able to listen better if you tell me tomorrow, you know, our so, youngest can go so on. So maybe you can go write it down, you know. To yeah, and follow them. up on that. Say, let's yeah. set a time to do that. You yeah. remind me or, you know, make a little reminder, set a timer or something so that you follow through on it too, because that's important. Uh, I like to say that in our kids' economy, the parents' attention is gold. Yeah. Whether it's positive or negative. Yes, exactly. And maybe even a little deeper that that it's about love. Mm. You know, attention mm-hmm. is just a, a part of love mm-hmm. to me because I, I was just working with a client just recently and for a young person and we're doing the work and we're digging down into it. And, and I think it was about attention, but then I, I said something about it's really about love and she started crying. Yeah. You know, because it was really a deeper need mm-hmm. just f- for knowing the love, yeah. you know, and I think the outward expression. Just... And if all a child gets from a parent is negative attention, then they think that's love. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. And talk about generational baggage. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and trust me, I come from a generation of very big baggage. So. Yeah, I, I, I hear you. I hear you. I feel like no matter how hard I try. I'm still going to pass on plenty of baggage to my kids. And the other truth is they're going to be okay anyway. Right.
Hi kids, has anyone figured out an answer to the riddle, how do you measure a snake? You're not gonna believe this, but you measure a snake in inches because it has no feet. <laughs> Maybe your parents might need to help explain that. <laughs> anyway, next week we'll have the final installment of the interview with Don and Gina. We'll talk about engaging your kids' senses and how you can use these techniques to reset your kiddo. I hope you enjoyed this week's short and sweet parenting tip, fresh ideas in bite-sized portions. <laughs>